Welcome to Bad Science, the show that breaks down the science of a movie with a comedian and a scientist. Today we're discussing cloudy with a chance of meatballs. So I'll ask about the weather and jello and much more. But first, a short word from our sponsor. Bad science. Did the movie get it right? Bad science. Or will we have to fight? Hi everyone, I'm your host Ethan Edinburgh and I've got two wonderful guests joining me today. First, he's the external affairs and climate specialist with the Nature Conservancy, a meteorologist and an occasional coffee snub, Brad Carl. Brad Carl, do we have you? Yes, you do have me. I wasn't sure if you want me to hop in, but sure. Yes, uh, good to be here. Thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. Hop in. The weather is dessert. <laughs> How's it going, Brad? Going fine on my end. I'm enjoying life here in uh, sunny Oklahoma. Like, compared to all the snow and nonsense they have up in the Northeast, I am very happy to be here by comparison. Excellent. Well, if you're a weather nut and you're in Oklahoma City, I assume that you're like a freak tornado fan. Is that accurate? <laughs> you know, it's it's hard to, to be in Oklahoma and not be addicted to the weather, though. Funnily enough, I didn't move here because I necessarily was, was looking to chase tornadoes. It just kind of happened to end up that way, as is very common when I was in broadcast. You just kind of bounce around from place to place, and boom, I just ended up in Oklahoma, but originally from Seattle. So mm. we didn't exactly have a whole lot to chase out that way. So it's certainly a little more um, exciting in this part of the world, to say the least. Well, I can't wait to get into it and ask you about it. Uh, we've done Twister on the program before, and I'm a big fan of that uh -huh. film. And so if you've chased any tornadoes, I've got to know about it. But before we get in there, before I get sucked into your vortex, got to introduce my uh -huh. next guest. You did there. <laughs> He's a writer and a stand-up comedian. It's Sammy Obeid. Hey, 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 hey. And sorry, it's actually Obeid, but no worries. It's uh, No, then I am sorry. Obeid. Please don't edit ah. that out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sammy, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you. Thank you for asking. Thank you for having me. Of course. No, I'm super glad that you're here. I'm going to say Obeid now on the podcast 30 more times in order to overcorrect. And I wanted to know... Did this movie bring back any memories for you of like being caught in a big storm? No, not at all. It just made, it gave me memories of sitting through a movie that I didn't want to watch. <laughs> You've done that before. <laughs> I've done it, unfortunately, a lot of times, but this time it was for homework. So thanks for reminding me of class. It's been a while. Yeah, no problem. That's what I'm here for. How, how deep into the movie, like how far along were you when you started realizing like, and I don't want to be watching this? I'm going to be honest, man. It was the first 10 seconds of the trailer. <laughs> wow. It's such a conflict because I love this podcast. I love Seeker. I've oh. been waiting to do something with you guys. And then you made me watch this movie and I was just so resentful for two hours. Um, I'm so sorry. If it makes you feel any better, my friend, I got to watch it too. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen it. It's been on the list for some time. I'm glad that we're doing it and crossing it off. But uh, about a few minutes into this movie, I just kind of went, oh, no. <laughs> but, but I will say by the middle of the movie, like the part where like he couldn't please his dad, I was crying a little bit. You know, it was a yeah. typical story arc, you know, um, yeah. and, and that was nice. Uh, but as far as like science goes and, um, you know, just general idea of the movie yeah not not my favorite but you know uh, it's nice to be wooed by something that you don't expect to be wooed by yes i will agree i think i had somewhat low expectations when the movie started but it did grow on me i did end up enjoying my time and i have one this i'm gonna hit us quickly here with the main question i have in this film i'm gonna throw it to brad 
And then, of course, I have a wonderful quiz for us to do. <laughs> so the big question is, if it has ever rained strange, perhaps edible substances here on Earth. Hmm. Edible substances. I mean, rain is drinkable, edible, so we, we could, we could, you know, unpack that every way we want. But as far as like other more different things, like in terms of wind or something coming along and kicking things up, I mean, I suppose like if you had like a tornado or something like that come along, like a cornfield or something sucks something up and, and drops something down. I mean, yes, I guess that would work. But in terms of more funky things than that, I don't know. Other than, other than, all right, I'll, g- I'll give you one. So of course, who doesn't love Dippin' Dots ice cream, <laughs> which are, you know, love that. ice cream in the future. It's, it's great stuff. Um, and there's actually uh, ice cream of the future in the '90s. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. That's that's right. Yeah, we're, we're still we're still rocking out that that retro futuristic kind of kind of vibe. But you can get things like grapple that will show up, and that looks like little dipping dots falling from the sky. So hmm. that's that's what I'm giving you right there. So is hamburgers, no, but I'm giving you dipping dots. So dipping dots, pretty good. I uh, wasn't expecting something as good as dipping dots. I just thought of like the frogs <laughs> that rain down in from what I remember in the Torah. Mm. But let's move to a quiz that I'm calling You Say Goodbye and I Say Jello. <laughs> so I loved the Jello sequences in this movie. They get inside a huge piece of Jello. I think I'm speaking for everyone when I say that's the dream. We've all wanted to do that. Oh, most deaf. Okay, <laughs> just making sure. But now I have confirmation from a scientist. I'm sold, yes. I yes, have please. strangely different dreams than everybody, apparently. But yeah, that's, <laughs> that's pretty cool. You don't want to just live in Jello? <laughs> I didn't think about it till now. I guess uh, I guess it does sound kind of cool. Yeah. Um, okay, so Sammy, let's have you answer this first question first. Okay, take a guess. What state has named Jello as their official state snack? I'm gonna go with North Dakota. Okay, Bradley. Let's go Iowa. And everyone in Utah is losing it because it's Utah. <laughs> Apparently, Salt Lake City huh. is crazy for Jello. They go really hardcore about it, and so. They named it their official state snack. That wow. makes sense because it's not chocolate and it doesn't have caffeine. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, good call. Damn. It checks all their boxes. In the US, what is Jell-O's brand recognition percentage? In other words, out of any group of 100 Americans, how many will recognize Jell-O? Sammy. 78%. Okay. Strong, confident response. Over to you, Bradley. I'll go much higher than that. I'm gonna, let's go 93%. You are more correct. The answer is 99%. Wow. Wow. Everyone knows Jell-O. Isn't our literacy rate something like 70%? Yeah. <laughs> if you can recognize the Jell-O box, then you're, you're doing pretty well in life, I guess. Right. I guess you can read the all caps. And the dash O. People say right. that. They're like, oh, that That's symbol right. means gelatinous food. Right, right. <laughs> okay, last one. In 1897... The inventor of Jell-O, Pearl B. Waite, tried selling it door to door for over a year and failed. So how did Jell-O become popular? Did Pearl B. Waite, A, have his recipe stolen by an ex-wife, B, sell his recipe to his neighbor for $450, or C, post the recipe on a grocery store bulletin board where it was copied by a cashier? I'm going to go with B because it's in the nature of him going door to door to his neighbor. Okay, good reasoning. 
I like that, but just to be different, let's let's go with the different theory. I'm going to say that he put it on a grocery store bulletin, someone copied it down, and game over for him. Bad luck. Well, unbelievably, you each now have one point in this crazy you say goodbye and I say jello quiz because Sammy is correct. He sold it. He sold the trademark and the recipe for $450. Wow. <laughs> Thinking about like current society, I mean, if, if I had someone coming to my door selling me gelatinous whatever, I mean, I'd be a little skeptical too so maybe i don't blame all the people in 1895 you know until they knew it was you know amazing but you know i, I can understand their skepticism yeah the second guy actually also failed in trying to promote it and wanted to sell it but couldn't nobody would buy it he, he went as low as 35 dollars trying to sell Man. nobody cared and then finally unwilling to like totally give up he ended up doing a whole marketing strategy in like a couple magazines and and newspaper or something and then people caught on they thought i guess you know this is more legit i saw it in a magazine and <laughs> it uh, exploded and that guy made you know more money than the lord wow <laughs> that's a lot more work than i expect that to be like put into jello but you know, history's yeah. crazy. How much yeah. money did the Lord make, by the way? The Lord <laughs> makes approximately $7.5 million a year. <laughs> Not even a penny per person. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Man, yeah. the taxes too. <laughs> yeah, the taxes are crazy in that bracket. And also the Lord is very charitable. So, you know, they're giving away a ton of their money. Right, right. <laughs> That's very nice. Okay, before we take our first ad break, I would love to know just one out of 10, just so I know moving forward where you guys are at, how does this movie rank for you? So 10 is the best movie you've ever seen. And number one is Ballistic X versus Server, the movie with Lucy Liu and Antonio Banderas that was so bad I <laughs> threw a shoe at the screen inside the movie theater. It's a heck of a spectrum. Yeah. Uh, Sammy, what do you think? I'm going to go with the two. Um <laughs> Wow. Because uh, it, did, it did elicit two <laughs> tears out of my both eyes. And that was nice. It was very refreshing. But that is standard for a movie. So I wouldn't give it much higher. <laughs> but uh, for every other reason, yes, it definitely belongs no bigger than a two. Man, that for I got to say, it's you have an incredibly <laughs> difficult, intense standard. Because for a movie to make you cry, to elicit such emotion and still be a two is really harsh, I, I would say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some of the greatest movies of all time uh, are un still under force in my book. But too wow, <laughs> tough critic. Even your favorite, even your favorite movies are a four. <laughs> You're making me rethink. I'm thinking about 1.5 now. So let's just stay with the two. Okay, okay. Yeah, please. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Forty goes lower. <laughs> Brad, what do you think? Oh, I'd I'd give it a three and a half. Let Let's go with a solid three and a half. Uh, wow. It gets points for weather. It gets points in my book because. You know, maybe there's some kids out there who watch that, and even though the idea of food falling from the sky is crazy and ridiculous, might say, you know what, I think weather's pretty cool, and I want to, you know, go into science or do something like that. So I'm giving it extra points for inspiration, which gets it up to a very, maybe not so respectable, but a little bit higher than, than Sammy at 3.5. Okay, I would still say both are incredibly low. Um, <laughs> not that I'm mad about that. I'd love you guys for being honest and putting it out there. Um you know, I, I'm going to give it like a five or a six only because I know the movie is made for kids. And I was keeping that in mind throughout the entire time I was watching it. And if I was a kid, there is a lot of really fun visual comedy going on. So mm -hmm. I'll, I'll give it to him. I'll give it to him for that. But but, you know, is it is it one of my favorite films of all time? Do I want to watch it today? even though I watched it last night? No, I do not. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, so I have a bunch of science questions. I have a bunch of kind of sillier questions, but let's get to it after 
a word from our sponsors. And no, they're not Dippin' Dots, even though we did talk about them for several minutes. <laughs> the break is over. Here we go. Back to the show about science. Okay, so Brad, I was wondering throughout this movie if we can control or adjust or manipulate the weather at all. I mean, that's kind of the backbone of this story, right? Is like, mm. he's an inventor. He's found a way, accidentally, we can all uh, admit. Sure. But accidentally, he's found a way to adjust the weather. And so I've wondered about that for many years because it seems like if we could even, you know, in a micro, nano way, change what's going on up there, we can completely alter our conditions on Earth as a society. Well, yes, and there's limited ways that we've been able to do that um, with various degrees of success, uh, and some of which actually has some bad consequences too. But let's first start off what actually has been used. And there has been things done like cloud seeding, where you add like silver iodide into the atmosphere and it's able to... um, not enhance rainfall, but allow for better conditions for for um, rain clouds to basically be able to form and, and dump out. This has been done in, in China to some extent here, and even some to some limited degree in the U.S. I believe. What's that called again? Silver. Silver iodide, I believe, is what is is actually used. But the the, the term is cloud seeding, and it's been used to a limited effect to to be able to basically add additional rainfall or try to stimulate rainfall. Interesting. Um, is it enough to to change things on a huge, you know? global scale is there any kind of crazy conspiracy behind it no but can it do things in kind of a small scale yes to to, you know to at least some degree but let's also think back you know almost now 100 years ago to the time when we had the dust bowl which you know we think when we think about the dust bowl especially for like you know you ethan being in california you're like oh yeah that thing over there far away from me but here in oklahoma that's still very real and many of the farmers and those in agriculture and that's still a very real phenomenon that happened only, you know, a generation or two ago. And, you know, we know led to the Dust Bowl and basically where the land turned against us, everything went, you know, to this long-term, long-term drought after farmland had produced for, you know, for so long and been so bountiful for so long. Then all of a sudden turns around and now it's not raining. We're getting crazy dust storms. Dust is blowing everywhere. Nothing will grow. And it just kind of exacerbated the problem. Hmm. And that was something that wasn't done intentionally. Uh, it was it was poor farming practices the time that we've gone back now and studied and proven that this is what led to the Dust Bowl overall. Were those practices only happening in that area you just described, or were was that commonplace at the time? It was across portions of you know the Panhandle, some of, of northern Texas, um, into portions of of Kansas. That you know that was kind of where the worst of that all was. Hmm. And it was interesting because you know for a while nothing was getting done, or at least people were saying, "Oh my gosh, this is a problem." They're like, "Oh no, it's not that bad. It's fine." And then nothing changed until one of these crazy dust storms actually reached all the way out to Washington, D.C. And funny when things arrive on the step of the Capitol, all of a sudden, you know, people go, oh, OK, maybe, maybe we should actually do something about this. And once that actually happened, then we started to get things um, like the Soil Conservation Service that allowed for, you know, let, let's actually go and, and actually innovate our way out of this crisis and make things better. And when that actually started happening, we were able to start turning things around, but it took a while. So, you know, in a short amount of time, things got real bad for a span of about 10 years or so, and things then began to improve. But um, 
that's kind of a you know long answer to your question. But yes, we have had impacts on weather before on a larger scale, certainly what we're seeing right now with, with climate change and whatnot too, of putting out more carbon emissions than there have been in tens of thousands, not hundreds of thousands of years. And that's certainly putting kind of our finger on the scale and changing things and also has consequences going forward, just kind of like the characters in uh, Swallow Falls learned. Like, oh, this is great. This is fine for a little bit. And then problems start accumulating and it's not so great anymore. Yeah, I would argue the opposite to one of your points in that, you know, sometimes you can bring an issue to the steps of the Capitol or even in recent events inside the Capitol and nothing will get done about, you know, domestic terrorism or anti-Semites. But I hear what you're saying about most of the time a problem arrives there. And I would also ask with the cloud seeding, is that done the way that it was done in the movie? Do we just blast a robotic machine into the clouds and then it just kind of hangs out there? I don't know if I missed that in the movie, but it just kind of like got stuck in a cloud layer. I think it was described by Anna Faris's character. Yeah, it was just kind of hanging out there, you know, whether that's like gravitationally real or not. I mean, I think we have to kind of suspend our, our base reality to some extent. Okay. Um, but in terms of, you know, are, are there things that we can launch up that, that you know, go up to the clouds and hang out there for a little while? Yeah. Um, okay. A bunch of the National Weather Service offices across the country all do radioson launches, which is a fancy term for basically launching a weather balloon with a box of instruments basically attached to it. And they do this um, several times per day at, at the offices that do launch this. And this helps us to get an idea of what are the current weather conditions kind of up and down the atmospheric column um, and help to get fed back into models and things like that. But going back from that in terms of how we do cloud seeding and stuff in the areas that's been done, I believe it's just done by airplane where they just kind of go and drop some of that silver iodide to help stimulate rainfall. Very interesting. It's like a growth hormone for rain. Yeah, some, something like that. And it's short term. It, 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 it ends up falling out. But basically, you're giving cloud condensation nuclei, like something for wow. water droplets to kind of form around. And if things are very dry, you don't have that. So by adding these cloud condensation nuclei in the form of this silver iodide, you're able to basically kind of give a little nudge and say, hey, I wish you would rain right now. That'd be great. Wild stuff. So, All right, I, I, wanted to, I wanted to say this earlier, but I didn't want to interrupt. Um, please. So basically, you were saying there was these crazy like dust storms going on in middle America, and then nobody did anything until it stormed the Capitol? Well, it, it, was, it was ongoing, but at the same time, a lot of those areas were very rural. Certainly other spots in Oklahoma were dealing with that, but may not have been on the front lines with it. And so it became a thing where where even though it was threatening the breadbasket of the country, you know, we are at the same time dealing with the Great Depression. There were a few other things going on in the world. Sound a little familiar with with kind of our, our current uh, last year or so. There's just so many crises on top of each other. And so I think it was one of those that kind of got, you know, overlooked for a little bit of like, yeah, we'll get to you, you know, eventually. And it wasn't until it got to a point where it started to, you know, impact a larger number of people that it was like, oh, shoot, I guess we should do something about this. This is this is no longer just just confined to the middle of, of rural America where few people live. This is affecting a lot of people. So if it, if it's possible to actually like increase rainfall, why has nobody, uh, or unless I'm mistaken, because California has been in a drought uh, more or less for like the last 10 years, like maybe not like one of the last years, but like 
been in a pretty heavy drought for like, you know, over a decade. So why haven't these measures been taken in California? Because it's too experimental. and There's too many people in California. I think part of it is just is because it's over a relatively smaller area. Like you can't you couldn't do that for the entire state of California. Number one. Number two, there could be consequences of that, where if all of a sudden you start to do that over a larger area, maybe that ends up robbing folks downstream from you in the plains. Like all of a sudden the plane stops getting as much rainfall because you've already squeezed out the sponge in California. So that could get really Whoa. messy very quickly, which is why I would imagine that has not been used on a larger scale nor seen as, as more feasible. But you're right that California has dealt with drought kind of more often than has been usual. And that has been a concern. It's kind of this question of well, what do we do? do and how do we, you know, when it comes to, to water, making sure that we have enough as far as when it comes to even drinking water and things like that, making sure that plants and, and forests out there have enough water so you don't have crazy wildfires burning like not like crazy all the time. Those are some very good questions. And, and a lot of that's just going to come down to a lot of good mitigation work and being able to figure out, you know, how do you kind of weather things and adapt best you can. Are we out of our depth trying to manipulate the weather because when you're describing that to me it's kind of saying like don't mess with this too much because it's all connected and you're going to screw up the next town over you're going to you know unbalance the systems here so do you believe that we should be kind of pushing the envelope and you know making it rain not making it rain or should we just do our best to survive the conditions there's something and, and this kind of ties back into the movie of you don't entirely understand what you're messing with everything's fine until it's not right and so i think as a good message from this movie only getting a you know a two on on sammy scale there is a good <laughs> message you can pull from that of hey maybe don't mess with things because it's it's gonna it's gonna cause problems and so right. i would be of that belief of we only can control so much and weather is a very big, very complicated thing. As much as people, you know, may get mad at their, their local weatherman or, or, you know, lady meteorologist and saying, man, you don't know what you're talking about. This is crazy. It's, like, it's a complex system. It's really hard. You're, you're dealing with so many variables all at once. And this is not me just, just saying, hey, hey, be nicer to your meteorologist. You should be anyway, just to be a good person. <laughs> but at the same time, it is really hard. And so if all of a sudden you're, you're, you're messing things around a little bit, we're dealing with a complicated system that we've really only in the last 20, 30 years, as we've gotten much better computer technology, really begun to understand to a, to a larger degree. What about that, like we've created these changes, you know, to the climate with uh, our emissions and, uh, you know, other pollutants. So some kind of counteractive measures should be our imperative. I mean, does anybody make that ar argument? Well, there's this idea of just kind of resiliency, of, of resiliency is good and, and you know, that here in Oklahoma, you know, yes, we adapted our farming practices and stuff of the time, like when we had when we had the Dust Bowl, we innovated our way kind of out of that crisis. And that's what kind of got us through it. Um, is it a good idea to bury your head in the sand and say, no, this isn't happening? No, you actually have to say, okay, what, what will it take for us to, to fix this? And that's, that's kind of the, in my opinion, the right way to be looking at this uh, with climate change is, okay, what do we do? That's the question we should get around to, to asking. Move to Antarctica. What was that, Sam? Move to Antarctica. That's what I said. Yeah. Oh, great. <laughs> a lot of room out there. Lovely. Too cold. Yeah. Too Lovely cold. No way. <laughs> um, okay. So speaking of the weather, tornadoes, etc., there's a scene where a tornado is comprised of spaghetti and meatballs. And I was curious if that tornado to you, Brad, looked up to snuff. Did it move like a tornado? 
did you look at that and say, oh, they got all this wrong. They should have consulted me. How are you feeling? <laughs> you know, it's funny. That was like one of the first moments in the movie where, where like my weather nerd was, went into overdrive and I actually stopped the movie. I was like, wait a second, let me look at this. Obviously, are you going to have spaghetti tornadoes? No, but it was rotating the correct direction. And that made me very happy for being okay. a weather nerd. You might say like right direction. Like, what do you mean? So tornadoes in the Northern Hemisphere, and we're, we're going to assume that Swallow Falls, based on where they say it's below the A in Atlantic, we are going to assume it's north of the equator. So just let's bear with that for a second. Tornadoes in the Northern Hemisphere uh, spin counterclockwise, and that is due to the Coriolis effect, which has the effect of basically with the Earth's rotation spinning around its axis, it causes the winds in the Northern Hemisphere to deflect to the right. Uh, and because of that, that's that's what kind of gives it that spinning motion uh, on a larger scale. So what, what I mean by that is you've probably all heard the myth of, oh, if you flush your toilet in Australia, it flushes the opposite direction. I think the Simpsons did that at some point. Complete bogus. Whoa, um, that's a myth. It is a myth. Yeah. So so yeah, we're blowing minds here today. Yikes. So the reason we it's, it's a myth is because the Coriolis effect for it to have an effect it has to be on something big, and a toilet is just not big enough. So we're talking things on the scale of, you know, large circulation system, whether it be the, you know, the Gulf Stream, you know, various trade winds, hurricanes, big low pressure systems, stuff like that, like a big, massive kind of thing hmm. for the Coriolis effect to have an impact. So does the Coriolis, you know, effect have an impact on a little tiny tornado? Because tornadoes, even the largest of tornadoes, are still really, really tiny pinpricks on the Earth. No, but the larger overall weather system that, say, takes up, you know, a few states or whatever, like in the middle of the country, as we get those, you know, really good systems that come along and produce severe weather and whatnot, the Coriolis effect does have an impact on that, which then in turn causes these smaller tornadoes to also end up having that same kind of spin. Crazy. On the flip side of that, quite literally, on the Southern Hemisphere, um, generally tornadoes will spin in the opposite direction uh, and go clockwise uh, because the Coriolis effect deflects things to the left. So that's just kind of the way that works that way. Interestingly enough, here in Oklahoma, I have seen a handful of tornadoes that have not followed the rules and are just Whoa. completely rogue and spin the other direction. Rogue tornadoes. Has anyone ever called tornadoes the Lord's toilet flush? <laughs> no, that that would be a first, I, I would think. Okay. Um, that would be a first, yeah. Cool nickname. <laughs> they need more nicknames. You'll hear you'll hear storm chasers sometimes refer to things as as the suck zone, and everyone kind of snickers and, and chuckles like we're in third grade. So there there is that. Oh, you weather scientists, hilarious! <laughs> <laughs> I have two questions about tornadoes. I, one, because there's a scene where she's a meteorologist, weather person uh, in this movie, mm -hmm. one of our protagonists, and she's has like a Doppler, and she sees it coming, like the storm is approaching. And so I was curious your opinion on. The warning systems, how have they improved for tornadoes and for hurricanes? I'm, I'm from South Florida, so, you know, my experience okay. has always been with, you know, hurricanes coming in. And ugh, I, I know you said not to insult our weather people, but I got to say, there's <laughs> so many times where they would tell us all day, all night, board up your house. This is going to be the one. You're in such trouble. You're in the shit path of it. And we would spend friggin' all day screwing in these panels and like protecting the house and then nothing would happen. It'd be like some light rain. So I know it's a complicated system, but I'm just curious <laughs> if things have changed that much in 20 years and people now have like much more accurate predicting systems. That's fair. All right. So let's, let's start with tornadoes first. Cool. So tornadoes, you know, 
we can certainly see them a lot better on on radar now than we ever used to be able to. You know, prediction wise, still everything has to come together, and tornadoes overall are still rare. I mean, yes, everyone. You know, it's funny when I mentioned to friends and family that oh, I'm moving to Oklahoma. I mean, people were like, oh, you guys get like tornadoes there like every day. I just laugh and go, that's ridiculous. No, we don't get tornadoes every day. Mm-hmm. But that's that's the that's kind of the, the thought at least. Um, I mean, it's the same as like if you know if people asked you in California, oh, you have earthquakes every day. No, of course you don't. The idea. Yeah, that yes, the tornadoes are still you know relatively rare, but when they do happen, they you know certainly can be very destructive. The radar technology we have now, compared to even what we had 15, 20 years ago, has has improved quite a bit. We're actually able to see on radar things in the 3D now, and what I mean is the the radar pulses that are being sent out are sending out two pulses now to actually give us kind of a 3D snapshot. What's cool about that is it gives us a whole bunch of new products, and without getting too deep into the geekery, um, there there is a really cool product, which is a mouthful, called Correlation Coefficient, which basically in layman's terms mean you can now spot debris on radar. Why that's really cool is because if we can detect debris being lofted up and picked up by a tornado, basically it's able to discern that it's not it's not precipitation because precipitation like your rain and things like that are generally all the same shape. By scanning in the 3D, we can pick up things and go, wait a second, that's a, you know, if it's a blade of grass and a piece of someone's house and and piece of trees and stuff, the radar will interpret that and say, well, hang on, those things aren't all uniform shape. That's not precipitation. That's something else. Uh, and so by having that, and we, I've actually, by my, my TV station that I used to be at in, in Tulsa, we use that technology to be able to say, yeah, we now have a tornado occurring right now, even before it was warned because we had that signature. So there's some really wow. cool stuff that way. And that's, I think it's real deep into geekery, but you know, people are actually in, in Oklahoma are pretty weather savvy. It's actually interesting. They actually can wrap their brains around things pretty well. One other aspect though, if you, if you really want to uh, start a uh, rather deep debate, you know, you look, at their, you look at your cell phone. I mean, your cell phone you know, what it has like alarms and, and blaring things like that, including for tornado warnings and stuff go off. That is like one of the best uh, resources you have in terms of keeping you aware of severe weather. In addition to like NOAA weather radios and other kind of cool gizmos like that, the way if you want to start a real good debate is, you know, your tornado sirens are old technology and you should rip them all down. And I am very much of that belief because those are only for outdoor use. They were, you know, put up as like old air raid sirens, uh, you know, way back in the day. And if you can hear them when you're inside, great, but that's not what they're intended for. It's supposed to be an outdoor thing. If you're away from your TV or radio, you know, mm-hmm. back in the year of our Lord, 1970, whatever. So the the idea is those are old technology and cell phones are better, but people here are still, there's almost like a security blanket thing of, like, oh, I, you know, if, if, if there's a tornado coming my way, I, I want to have that that fear of that of that siren going off just to tell me I need to take shelter. It's a very odd relationship people have, but a strange beloved one. I mean, why don't we just do both? Both is great. You know, have something go off on my phone. Let me know crap's going down right now. But then also <laughs> those air raid sirens are awesome. They look cool. They sound cool. Have people, <laughs> you know, get up and blare those too. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. The break is over. Here we go back to the show about science. So, were you guys upset at all at the portrayal of the Weather Channel anchor who was seemingly obsessed <laughs> with his uh, correspondent being an attractive female? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, th- there were so many tropes about this film that really screamed 2009, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, what- I actually didn't even know that's when the movie came out and I didn't even know there was a sequel. I mean, I guess, I guess I'm pretty out of touch for that reason. But uh, when I watched it, I was like, wow, this, this is flying and you know, 
20, you know, 2020 or what, whenever it was recently, then I'm, and then I saw 20, 2009, I'm like, oh, okay, this all makes sense. Right. <laughs> there, there is a difference though. Like to some anchors sometimes look, look down on people who got in the field and stuff. Sometimes. Yeah. You know, they, I remember they, they referred to her like at the very beginning part of the movie is cause she, she's just an intern hanging out there. And even the term like cute and super perky kind of has its own connotations to it. But yeah. the fact that like, you're willing to send out like just the, the happy go lucky intern to go on any assignment. I mean, that, that there is a lot of truth to that. I have been in that that those shoes before of of like, hey, we have we have some random assignment in the middle of nowhere. Who should we send? Oh, let's send the rookie out, you know, to go cover that. I can certainly appreciate that kind of connotation, just being just ready to go, get me out the door, go go cover something like been there, done that. So I, I totally get her mentality. Were you super psyched up when they called your number like she was? Oh, yeah. I mean, all of a sudden you get called like, hey, we, we want to send Brad to go out to go cover this. Like oh, there's some storm damage or whatnot. And you're like, oh, shoot, like I just started here. This is great. And yeah, you just <laughs> go right out the door. It's though watching her and her first live shot completely trip over herself and screw the whole thing up. I mean, that that brings back kind of thoughts of PTSD a little bit of like oh my gosh I have totally been in those shoes before not not quite that bad but like you, it's not if a live shot goes wrong but it's like when and so I've definitely been there where it just seems like nothing can go right and uh, I I had my heart went out to her I was like oh been there but but she made it through and then then she gets to be like the correspondent for all of Swallow Falls so apparently didn't work out too bad for her okay well if we uh, come into contact with any embarrassing uh, Brad Carl footage. Let's go ahead and play that right here. Let's insert, <laughs> insert that. Um, another just real uh, weird scene to me, and I, I wanted to get your guys' take on it again. I know we were touching on Beyond Meat before, and you know, vegan, vegetarian stuff. I felt like there was kind of an undercurrent of that. There was a, an aggressive, like anti-meat or like anti-steak scene in this like really fancy restaurant. Did you? Mm. Did anybody else feel like there was like a statement on? obesity and uh yeah i don't know just like aggressive uh, meat eaters particularly when the dad turned down the steak because it was too big or was there like a moment that stood out to you even more yeah in that same scene there's these yeah. huge steaks flying down landing on people's plates everybody's thrilled about it and then yeah. there's this one woman where it's like the steak comes down and it looks like blood i think that it, it's it's actually wine but it looks like she's like half covered in blood and like chewing on this meat and then like, I think the mayor comes and he's like five times larger than he was when we last saw him. And I was like, damn, dude, what is going on right here? Yeah, well, I think you got I think we got to understand that the the writers and the producers and director, they all eat meat. But the animators, they are staunch vegans. Ah. <laughs> so all that stuff was not in the script. No, not at all. And it slid by because they're like, was that? Bl oh, that's wine. OK, we'll let it slide. So there was definitely like kind of the, yeah, this kind of under under cry growth there of just of kind of like if all you're doing is just going around like eating food all day, like whether it be meat or not, like that's just probably not a great healthy lifestyle, which is, is also probably a decent message, you know, overall, um, mm -hmm. though, you know, it's funny if we even rewind this back even further, like I remember reading this book as a kid which of course didn't have all these little fancy characters and stuff in it but like i remember as a kid even thinking about meteorology and whatnot i remember this book being like oh yeah this crazy island where they get all this food falling out of the sky and everything's great and you just eat as much as you want and i think you know as a, as a kid you don't think about a lot of the consequences of that but as an adult you're like oh my gosh that's a lot of food like <laughs> I, I don't know what i do with that much it's gonna rot when it's like sitting on the the street and yeah, stuff it's an organizational nightmare right right and also you're like oh my gosh make it stop and yeah 
Yeah, I thought there was actually going to be more problems than there were in the movie, just with like food waste. And then they had the tourism thing where it's like, okay, now millions of people are going to come to this island that's actually just built for a small population. Like I was I was very anxiety riddled in my uh, viewing experience. It changed over the course of the movie, but I thought it was basically like if you look at the first, you know, 20 seconds of the trailer, even it's like, you know, we live in a town where only have sardines and sardines are super gross. Like, obviously, you're appealing to kids, you know, mm-hmm. and then like and then burgers and fries are going to fall from the sky. Like if my 10 year old niece, watched <laughs> that, she'd be like, see, finally, somebody thinks like I do and be like, no, that's we shouldn't be doing that. Uh, you know, but eventually they're they're like I, they did have like a theme of gluttony or whatever. And then maybe this is not the best idea. But even with that, it wasn't very clear what the whole uh, movie's stance on food was in general, because it just showed a bunch of people eating burgers and steaks most of the time. So yeah, there wasn't a huge consequence to overeating or eating a ton of sugar and ice cream or I didn't really <laughs> feel the repercussions of that. Right. Well, the mayor did get super big, and then the the cop's right. son did pass out from food coma, which I thought was so a, a, such an adorable way of portraying what could actually really be a problem if somebody overate. <laughs> yes, that's true. That's true. Also, how they just dealt with the food too of of like was it Flint makes that little like little machine that he drives around and just flings it back, you know, behind this dam. That's just they toss all the food, which is like not feasible on a large scale. Number one, but number two, as we see kind of <laughs> in the end of the movie, the dam bursts, and then they have big problems because they're just going to have this like small little thing kind of slowly but surely you know inch mm-hmm. up and inch up and inch up and it's that's it's not ideal it's, it's not an ideal way to deal with things and and you know oh. at the very end of the movie it, it it comes into play of like oh here are consequences coming coming back to bite us i thought there was going to be also a fatal consequence to the danger of meat or whatever like because he said i'm going to over mutate the food and i thought like oh no people are going to eat mutated food and then they're going to mutate the themselves and we're going to have a bunch of weird, you know, fish people or something, but that didn't happen either. So I guess they, they surprised us all really. So and disappointed two of us. Just the the fact that it surprised all of us. I'm going to, I'm going to up it to a 2.5. I didn't think it would do that. All right. Oh, what wow. can we do? How can we get you to a six? <laughs> um, actually, uh, was Bill Hader the voice? He was. You yes. know, I didn't. I didn't. Um, I didn't see that till like right before we jumped on the podcast. Well, I, I saw it, but I wasn't one hundred percent sure. Because mm-hmm. uh, in, in the beginning of the movie, it said, or he was either in the beginning or the trailer it was like made by a bunch of people. So I was like, oh, ha ha ha, funny joke. I want to know who these voices are. But um, I do really respect right. Bill Hader as an actor, so I'll give it a 2.7. Here we go. Okay, I, I'm a little afraid because we're moving in very small increments, but I think we're going to get there. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, too, with him as the voice. I mean, so he actually grew up in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, funnily enough. Oh. Um, so I wonder what his kind of take is on weather stuff. I mean, I, I don't know if he ever did like an interview or anything on, on this this. You know, small little role for him, but I'd be curious to know. I'd be curious to know what his what his thoughts are on on weather and Oklahoma weather versus wherever he's at now. Well, uh, big surprise for you, uh, your fellow Tulsa Oklahoman, Bill Hader's on the program. Bill, hey, hey, <laughs> what's up, man? What do you think about weather? Oh, oh, good stuff. Really good stuff. Yeah. Uh, have you seen Barry? 
Yeah, no, I have seen. I mean, we're talking about Cloudy with a chance of meatballs here on the program today. But but yeah, I mean, I'm a huge Barry fan. It's a great uh, show. Yeah, Barry, a lot better work of mine in Barry. I highly recommend that. And we de- we had weather in that one, too. There was definitely weather. It was there, it was there the whole time, actually. Uh, All right. Well, uh, Bill, thank you. I can't thank you enough for being on the program. It's really cool to speak to you. I'm a big fan. No problem. No problem. You can catch the trilogy of the movie uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Cardiovascular Disease coming out next year. So. <laughs> Great. That sounds a lot more accurate. Thank you. <laughs> Roll the tongue so well. <laughs> yeah, it is a catchy title. <laughs> that is true. Um, what about sardines? Can we? This is a good one to end on. I think. I mean, one out of ten. Where do you guys rank sardines? So, in, in, in you know, in terms of all of the food I saw in the movie, I would put them number one in terms of uh, mm-hmm. healthiness. I mean, maybe not all the food, oh. you know, like uh, corn on the cobs, not so bad. But right. like, if you had to, if you had to like eat something that's like healthier than burgers and Jello and steaks, I would say sardines are the way to go. But obviously, yeah. sardines are packaged, not like uh, they're you know they're probably really high in salt in most cases. But they do have they do have omega so there you go about that okay uh, one small redeeming quality i i want nothing to do with sardines thank you very much no i yeah. I, I can't tell you how many things a, a various seafood would be higher on that list let alone food in general like sardine <laughs> sardines are pretty low on there so i, I may have to uh kind of tap into uh some of the energy from from sammy and go with like a point two. like no i want nothing to do with them <laughs> Wowzers. yeah that's pretty that's pretty i mean honestly remarkable that we got that sort of answer from sammy um especially <laughs> on something like sardines have you bought i mean do you buy sardines sammy do you have, have that in you your know, home actually, i haven't eaten sardines since i was probably five years old right. um and i will say they are super gross but in retrospect if i had to live with sardines or burgers for eternity i would live with the sardines okay man that's wow. probably the craziest thing i've ever heard in my life Thank you guys both for being on the program today. Um, I had a bunch of fun. I learned a lot. And I wish I could say that uh, that I'm excited about doing the second Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. But <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know. I think I need a break. I think I need some time without it and then a revisit. Well, if you haven't unpacked like, uh, you know, a day after tomorrow or something fun like that. I mean, there, there are some other wild weather movies out there so to dig into. But uh, you just yeah. get to them in the order that you can. But thanks for have me on is it too late to start talking about twister we have talked about twister but damn it the movie's so damn good why don't we do another episode (laughs) (laughs) why not (laughs) i mean it is really fun to watch philip seymour hoffman rules in that movie sammy (laughs) obeyed where can people find you online yeah yeah you can check out my socials which are sammy obeyed uh o-b-e-i-d the name should be spelled in text somewhere in front of you And uh, I also produce a bunch of virtual stand-up shows, which may sound uh, as appealing as sardines to you right now, but they're actually really healthy. Uh, You can get more information on those at kocomedy.com, and they're free. So we do them um, every every weekend, three days a weekend. So they're really fun. So come on. Awesome. Okay, kocomedy.com for some free stand-up shows. Yep, yep. Featuring the wonderful Sammy Obey. Thanks for being on the program again. And Brad, where can people watch you do a pun-off? (laughs) <laughs> not not doing a whole lot of those nowadays but you never know but good place to follow me and just kind of what i'm doing certainly on i'm pretty active on twitter uh at okay brad carl and also on facebook at under okay brad carl um we're talking you know about climate change and and what we can do 
you know, here in the middle part of the country to talk about solutions and whatnot. And it's a very different conversation than it is in some place like LA. So uh, right. lots to learn from out here, but we're making we're making progress and finding things that resonate. And uh, don't don't count out the middle of the country. We got some cool stuff going on. So uh, not it's not flyover country. There's some real cool things to check out here. But as far as climate stuff goes and whatnot, uh, we're we're doing some good work out here uh, in uh, the Sooner State. First of all, that's fantastic to hear. Are are you were you as excited as we were on this side of the country to hear that now we have an administration that believes in science and wants to <laughs> consult scientists when dealing with these climate change issues? Well, very, you know, very much we're, we're on the side of thinking that action is is very much needed and that we should be, you know, going toward those solutions. Like officially the Nature Conservancy is, is very much nonpartisan. We kind of bring everyone to the table, which is really important and allows us to kind of work with, with people all across the spectrum, which is really important. Mm-hmm. Uh, but finding ways in which how we can talk about that to get people on both sides of the aisle, you know, fired up and hopefully excited for for climate solutions that are coming regardless, you know, of party. But um, yeah, we're happy to, to, to be able to see some of these solutions starting to actually, you know, come down the pipe and seeing how we get to kind of, you know, play into that and bring more people on board. This conversation is only growing around climate and we know how much the, there's urgency around needing to do something about it. Yeah, here, here. That is absolutely correct. Um, Well, thank you both once again. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. And I'll talk to you very soon about a wild weather film. (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. Bye. Bye. Bad Science is a Seeker podcast produced by Emily Feld and me, Ethan Edinburgh. Our editor is Lucas Bollinger, and our social media is managed by Blue Whale Media. Shout out to EJ and Kate. And the executive's producer with a chance of egg salad is Brett Kushner. That's his favorite food, egg salad. I know, it's crazy. Oh, follow us on Instagram at Bad Science Pod. If there's a movie you'd like us to discuss on the podcast, feel free to email at badscienceatseeker.com. That's badscienceatseeker.com. And please leave us an iTunes review. It does help. It make sure people know about the podcast which we really appreciate thanks for listening bye